Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, friends. Anthony Marco has supported independent tech news directly for almost five years. Thanks, Anthony. Be like Anthony. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, December 20th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Roger, are you okay? Yes. Okay. Is my voice breaking up? A little bit. A little bit. Are you... Yeah, we're just, we're concerned. We're I'm like just going through a second concerned. childhood. <laughs> yeah. It's day 25 of Roger's cold and he refuses to see a doctor. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about whether we should fire up our Angel Fire and Live Journal and Tripod sites in order to, to fix what everybody thinks wrong with social networks. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Qualcomm was granted a second injunction against Apple Thursday that bans Apple from selling some phones in Germany that use chips from Intel and Corvo. Apple says it plans to appeal, but for now, in the meantime, iPhone 7 and iPhone 8 models won't be sold in its 15 real st- retail stores in the country of Germany. Uber is resuming on-road testing of its autonomous cars in Pittsburgh Thursday. The company paused all testing in March after a woman was killed by an Uber autonomous car in Arizona. Uber will also put self-driving cars back on the streets in San Francisco and Toronto, but those cars will not operate in full autonomous mode. Two safety drivers will be in all of the cars. Two by two, Ubers of blue. Some Slack users with ties to Iran found their accounts had been deactivated Thursday. The bans affected users living in several countries, including the U.S. Slack did not notify users beforehand that this was going to happen so they didn't have time to create archives or back up their data in a statement to the verge slack said it complies with all u.s regulations on embargoed countries which prohibit slack use in cuba iran north korea syria and the crimea region of ukraine this issue likely is linked to ip addresses in iran tied to a slack workspace's primary owner even if that owner isn't where that ip address is All right, let's talk a little more about Amazon having a little data problem, Justin. Mm, An Amazon user in Germany got access to 1,700 recordings from another user of Amazon's assistant because of what the company says was an unfortunate case of human error. The user had requested his own files under the GDPR, but the link Amazon sent him also included the files of another user 
The requester reported the error but got no response. However, Amazon subsequently deleted the stranger's files from the link, but the requester had already downloaded them all. Amazon told Reuters, quote, We resolved the issue with the two customers involved and took measures to further optimize our process. As a precautionary measure, we contacted the relevant authorities, end quote. Well, I think we're going to hear a lot more about little issues like this. And uh, and it won't be just Amazon, but for Amazon to say, you know what this was? It was not, it was not our assistance error. It was a human don't worry about what human that was. <laughs> We're on the case, but it wasn't our assistant. Keep buying Echo speakers. Thank you very much. The take I see a few people uh, having out there is this is a forced error because of GDPR. That if, if GDPR wasn't forcing companies to, to comply with all these requests, even if they're not necessary. I mean, this user in Germany, by all accounts, just was curious. It was not like he needed uh, the stuff he just wanted to see, which is fair. You should be able yeah. to do that. But a lot more people are doing that now because of the GDPR. And therefore, it's it's increasing the number of requests, which increases the percentage chance of error. I, what do you guys think of that line of argument? I think, look, uh, is it an explanation? Sure. I think it's safe to say that it, uh, you know, this would not have happened if GDPR hadn't uh, come about and forced a lot of companies to make a lot of different changes to accommodate these uh, uh, kinds of requests. Is it an excuse? No, it's probably it's it's not. Them's the rules of the road. It's what you have to do. Uh, I think that this is fairly obviously some kind of uh, a human error. Uh, uh, thankfully, it was only limited to a spot case unless we start hearing more of it but this is i don't know at some point someone's gonna drop the celery and 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 you know uh, try to put it on display like like well, and it's, yeah this is also not sort of like oh i meant to send an email to tom Merritt and i sent it to sarah lynn instead whoops oh well <laughs> yeah. no kind of this is 1700 recordings that happened within someone's private home between the person who owns the speaker and whoever might have been in the room at the time, or perhaps just them. That's a lot. That That's a huge privacy issue. And sure, it's a fluke. Let's call it a fluke. Human error. Okay, fine. Go ahead. And, and that's, that's fine with me. But if this happened to me, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a privacy breach, a personal privacy breach. I don't know how I would feel about it. I, I know I would be extremely upset and I would get rid of all my speakers. The the one thing I would like to point out is a lot of people are saying, well, obviously, uh, humans handling this was the problem and, and they should automate the system in the future to prevent this, which is the exact opposite argument you have every time an algorithm messes up and say, you know what we need is humans looking over this to make sure that the algorithms aren't screwing things up. Right. So yeah. I I just want to point out that every time there's an error with one thing, the opposite thing is presented as the solution when, you know, maybe it's not that easy. Maybe it's just men. Maybe sometimes mistakes just happen. All, all systems are fallible. Yeah. And I'm glad that we find them so we can patch them and move on. Totally. Well, some customers are upset about this next story as well. After some customers on social media and a few Mac Rumors forums claimed that their new iPad Pros seem to have small curves or perhaps bends either out of the box or soon after being taken out of the box, Apple confirmed to The Verge that, yes, some 2018 iPad Pro models indeed are shipping with a slight bend in the aluminum chassis. Apple says this is due to the cooling process that involves the iPad Pro's metal and plastic components during manufacturing, but it's not going to impair performance. 
It's not going to get worse. And Apple does not consider it a defect. <laughs> You're worrying about it wrong. All right. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. So, so they- you got a bent iPad. What's the problem? <laughs> Apple's new slogan, get bent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the, the Finally, a bent Wookiee for our own generation. Uh, <laughs> wait, uh, will they swap one out for you? They will. Uh, if it's within 14 days of purchase. That's just that's just the standard thing. They have not said they'll do anything exceptional for this yet. We're, we're waiting to see if they say, oh, if it bothers you, uh, bring it back even outside the 14-day return. But Look, any any product it, can get a 14-day return. On. If it's so cool that it's not a defect, then it's so cool that you can resell it. Uh, that's, that's, that's my opinion. You should be able to go get a, a non-bent iPad Pro if you want. Well, and as The Verge noted, and many publications uh, posted about this uh, once it, it once it got some traction, but uh, they they did just that, and their second iPad Pro was also bent. <laughs> so, if it's a bunch of 2018 models, just because you get a new iPad Pro, it it, it might not solve the issue. If it, it bothers you, that's why Apple's saying nothing's wrong with your iPad. Right, it's and slightly it, bent. And it's not like the iPhone six where it seems to be impairing function. It's it's just yeah. it's just a it just looks weird. On the other hand, Apple prides itself. If this was another company, I might let him go. But Apple prides itself on machining and manufacturing being pristine, things that feel good in the hand and look good to the eye. Yeah. No, that, yeah. That, this doesn't. You pay for form and finish. So if you're unhappy with the form and finish, then I think that even if it takes, you know, throwing uh, 15 of these boomerangs back at them, that you get one <laughs> on the level. Just And just so you know, uh, Justin is being metaphorical. They, don't, they aren't bent quite as bad as a boomerang. So. Uh, <laughs> modern encryption is based on a one-way process. It's difficult to reverse. You know, it's usually multiplication of primes or something like that. However, quantum computing promises to make that reversal easy, if not trivial. So the worry has been, how are we going to encrypt things when quantum computing becomes ubiquitous? Well, a team of engineers at Penn State have developed an encryption protocol that is unclonable and unable to be reverse engineered. To do that, you need truly random numbers, not from a random engine on a computer, but like truly random, which is a very difficult thing to do. So the engineers look to something that has no mathematical basis, human T-cells. They take <laughs> photographs of a two-dimensional array of 2,000 T-cells and digitize it. Pixels that are where a T-cell is become ones, and empty space pixels become zeros, and you create the key. Living cells stay for a long time, at least in computer terms for sure, and move around randomly so they can be photographed repeatedly to create new keys. In a recent issue of Advanced Theory and Simulations, the team notes that even if someone knew the cell type, the cell density, the key generation rate, the key sampling instance, it's impossible for anyone to breach this system. Wow. <laughs> I mean, never say I mean, never, right? As soon as you say it's impossible, somebody will figure out some workaround you didn't anticipate. But mathematically yeah. speaking, this is impossible to reverse engineer. If you're going to crack it, you have to come at it some other way. Well, and the well, the, the well part of this um, is the fact that after all of uh, encryptions issues and shortcomings and the need to make it better and breaches and, and, and privacy and data and all that stuff. Human T cells are actually what we're looking towards now <laughs> as you know what, this actually might be, this might be uh, the, the, the safest way to go about this. You might Back say to the human body. They're immune to hacking. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is insane. They're Roger. 
it it's kind of leaves you speechless. It really does. I mean, really, what am I, like uh, I, I can't say anything to that. I'll tell you what, it fit that story to a T. <laughs> uh, about 110,000 passengers on 760 flights at Gatwick Airport have had their flights disrupted because of drones flying over the airfield. Sussex police said that they don't believe this is a terror uh, that this is terror related, but it is a deliberate act of disruption based on industrial specification drones. Gatwick Chief Offer Operating Officer Chris Woodruff said police didn't want to shoot the devices down because of the risk from stray bullets. The army has been brought in to assist with specialized equipment. Uh, Supped Justin Burtonshaw. Uh, head of armed policing for Sussex and Surrey said, quote, each time that we believe we get close to the operator, the drones disappear. When we look to reopen the airfield, the drones reappear. Now, hopefully they have found this person by the time you listen to this. But I thought that this morning when I first saw this and they still haven't figured it out. Uh, advanced persistent threat, uh, country on country disruption, prankster. Hard to tell. This is like a modern Sherlock Holmes story, right? It really is. Like, there's, there's the a, a very uh, something very uh, dastardly uh, uh, about uh, this this kind of thing, and also it's like, man, talk about uh, uh, just tremendous disruption during the holidays, no less. Uh, <sighs> you know, just shutting down an airport. That's yeah. Wild. We need those. We need those trained eagles or those nets that we we heard about uh, ways to, to defend airports against drones. We need those here. It worked for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, part of me is like, how did this not happen sooner? Mm. Because if it's a certain kind of drone, yeah, you can't fly within a certain uh, um, area of airspace. And, and, and those who have such a license would know that. So I can see why authorities are like, this is deliberate. Somebody's screwing with us, right? It kind of reminds me of the uh, era where in the movie theater, someone was pointing the red uh, light at the mm -hmm. screen and upsetting mm -hmm. everybody. It's like, okay, well, you're not hurting anybody, but you're, but, but to disrupt this many folks, hundreds of thousands of passengers flying during the holiday season, it goes above and beyond a prank. Oh no. This it might not be terror related, but this is, uh, I, I mean, disruption is 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 a kind term for what this is. No, this, this is millions of dollars in either lost revenue or money spent by these airlines to reaccommodate all these passengers. The, I mean, the reason why you don't see stuff like this is because this isn't just one wackadoodle flying his drone around. This is a this is a a a big coordinated effort, right? Uh, uh, and it is hella illegal. Like this is like a, some real. Oh like, yeah. Well, th this is this is not like oh you scamp. Like someone's yeah. really getting in trouble for this. The mind wonders if some organization might have an axe to grind against the UK for some reason. All right, I'm gonna in invoke some executive privilege here. I I've been doing this kind of show for more than ten years. I've been doing this show almost five years, and usually I only include stories if they have a direct impact on the consumer. But I've also been talking about copyright for 12 years, and I am ready to celebrate, as Smithsonian Magazine notes, January 1st, 2019, for the first time in 20 years since before podcasting, some copyrighted works in the United States will pass naturally into the public domain. Among the items from 1923 that will become public resources will be Robert Frost's Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening poem. The song, Yes, We Have No Bananas, public domain as of January 1st. 
the stage adaptation of The Picture of Dorian Gray by Theodore Pratt, and the movie The Ten Commandments, as directed by Cecil B. DeMille. The gap was caused by the Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act, which added 20 years to the existing U.S. copyright protection in 1998, making works that were made before 1978 become protected for 95 years, and anything produced after 1978 protected for 70 years plus the life of the author. Mickey Mouse went at that time from passing into the public domain in 2004 to now staying protected until 2024. So the clock is ticking for Disney to start lobbying to extend that act again. Well, you mentioned, Tom, that uh, this might not be something that directly affects the consumer, but think about the YouTube mashups. Right. That could be created from these works of art. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, or just uh, uh, the the yes, we have no bananas cinematic universe. That <laughs> us Finally. Well, Robert Frost is a great example. Everyone knows, uh, you know, I took the path less traveled by poem. Why? 1919. That one's been in public domain for a long time. But a poem from four years later, no one can use without permission. So it's virtually unknown. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is obviously a very controversial issue. Uh, uh, I think the, the, the question that we should have with stuff like this is not only when is it a better public resource and, and when should the, the law not be uh, in between somebody who wants to make something or reproduce something, uh, but also it's like what is the benefit of having it being reproduced? I think for something like Robert Frost – Look, there's there's a lot of stuff there that you know uh, the world would would benefit by cheap copies of his poems being yeah. put out into more hands. And right? a lot of our historical perspective on the 20s is skewed toward the early 20s because that stuff's more accessible and you don't need permission uh to put it in your your work of history that that you're putting out there or talking about. Uh you yeah. don't want to use yes we have no bananas <laughs> over the over your podcast without permission until January 1st when we can. <laughs> You need, you need to open your first live. You need to open your first live DTNS with yes. We have <laughs> the five year anniversary show should open with yes. yes we have no. Bananas. We have no banana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Jason Keebler from Motherboard wrote a blurb today uh, suggesting we should replace Facebook with personal websites. Now, he kind of waxes philosophical about his old uh, sites that he used to have. I think he had a tripod site, which is still up, uh, that he points to. And he writes that Facebook isn't really all that much better or more convenient, for publishing anyway, than having your own website or sending emails or chats. But for some reason, Facebook and Instagram are where we post now. And Jason posits that he wished he hadn't given up control of his publishing uh, and just kept doing his website. Now, of course, the other side of this is it's sure you can publish through your own website and emails and chat. But are your are your friends and the people you want to reach there? Are they paying it? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
the Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Attention, because they're paying attention to Facebook for good or ill. And that's the other side of this equation. One of the solutions that gets touted uh, to this is decentralized social networks so that you can easily tell people, go here and see all of my stuff and I'll see your stuff. And there are a lot of them. Just today, I came across a listing on Hacker News for something called PocketNet, uh, which uses the blockchain uh, to create a decentralized social network platform. It's not alone, and it's certainly not the best bet. There's also Mines and Memo and Sola and Steemit and SocialX and more. None of them has the momentum yet. But seeing this on Motherboard made me think, Justin... I've been saying for a long time, this pendulum's going to swing back against the centralization of, of this kind of publishing. Are we at the apex of the swing here? Is, is, is somebody going to crack this and figure it out? Uh, if I had uh, money to bet and I were forced to, I would bet no. <laughs> we are not at the tipping point for these kinds of sites. Uh, and I say that with a heavy heart because, man, as somebody who came of age professionally in the blog revolution, uh, it was something that I think back now tremendously fondly of. I loved my little visit from from house to house. Uh, uh, it's still the, the predominant way that I get my news. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook these days. And I would say that publishers and websites uh, probably greatly regret uh, the siren call of Facebook as the predominant way that they could garner clicks uh, as Facebook has become more and more restrictive of that. So that being said to me, the moment that things uh, took an irreversible turn toward the social was the fade of RSS readers. And the fact that even the kind of an industry standard with Google was something that they didn't think uh, uh, was really worth it to to push into because that to me was the the way that if you want to like okay well you got to make sure that your friends are paying attention you want to make sure that people are are doing that in my mind uh, in the aughts I thought that 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 the next step was going to be smarter better faster clever uh, uh, evolutions to RSS to make sure that you got a personalized experience. 
within uh, by by going out and tapping all these different uh, kinds of uh, uh, places. And then, uh, you know, obviously we we just found out that the easier way to do it was to go into these walled gardens on Twitter and Facebook and just uh, get the social proof of what our friends are into as the, uh, the, the way that we would understand the world around us. Yeah. Somebody who was blogging, I don't know from when I first realized I had to put together a movable type, uh, um, uh, cascading style sheet. And then I moved on to type pad and I was blogging for a while. Blogging was, it was a thing. Not everybody did, but those who were enthusiastic about it, we had each other on our blog roles, which was a little bit of a social network. Right. And yeah, it was, it was, it was something that worked pretty well for a while. And then it got to the point where social networks existed and then, okay, I've still got my, my my private blog that I or my public blog, but but my personal blog that I'm updating, and I can certainly easily easily share a link on social media. But well, well, now I'm asking people to click out of that. No one wants to do it, so I could just write it in there. So I think that my sentiment is shared by a lot of folks where there was no real this is better. It was more just well, I yeah, I, I want people to read the stuff I'm writing, right? the pictures that I'm sharing. And this is before the days of Instagram. So th- times have changed somewhat, but I am very much of the mind, uh, particularly when you might be, I don't know, you're posting a, a, a new podcast episode and you really want to be able to quantify the numbers of people who are visiting your website to click and watch something all the social networks, those numbers are a little bit weird. And we all know that having worked in the business for some time. So, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the answer to try to get everybody to just get their own domains again and, and, and make it all, you know, back to the old days of blogging. But I certainly do miss them in the sense that I knew that if somebody was actually visiting my blog, uh, that, that, that visitor number counted for something. And if they were commenting, it took a lot more effort than it does these days. Yeah, let me let me posit something and try out an idea. I I think the key to the rise of social networks in general, and particularly Facebook, was the ease of finding your friends and then the ease of communicating with them. Because GeoCities had all of the things, right? You know, you 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 create your page, uh, you can link to other pages, you can be in neighborhoods with people, uh, Live Journal as well. But Facebook made it super easy to find people. And and also, by design or dumb luck, uh, became the place that everybody wanted to be so that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy that you wanted to be on Facebook because that's where everybody was. So, well, and before that, it was MySpace. Well, but, that, but was- Facebook really, became, because of the exclusivity with the with the college kids, and, and then it became a, a desired thing. And once it got momentum, then I was like, well, I should be on Facebook because everybody's on Facebook. Yeah. You know, and, and it snowballed from there. And now it's hard to get away for a lot of people because they're like, yeah, but that's where my family is. That's where my friends are. That's where I communicate. That's where I talk about things. So to get people off of that, you have to provide an easy, compelling switch and it has to it has to give them something they don't want or give them something they want that Facebook doesn't like freedom that is easy enough and compelling enough that they'll go to the trouble to start the move and it has to have an attractive enough business plan to get the venture capital to get off the ground and that's the thing where is the buy in when you're saying no set up your own thing in space 
we're certainly, you know, is it is it just that you're going to sell ads on that? That you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess business wise, I don't necessarily see it, but man, what I love there uh, there is something very delightful to me to the idea that uh, we could be going back to a world where uh, we could all have our own little towns. We could visit it. And I'd add all of you guys to my blog. Role. I mean, it's not impossible for an open source uh, project to take off, but it's harder. The, the way you jumpstart this is with money and marketing uh, to get people like, hey, you tired of giving your data away? Come to this place. It's safe and decentralized and open. I mean, it can be open source and venture capital backed. That would be the ideal way to make it work. Making it work as a grassroots organization, as we've seen with Mastodon and all these others, really difficult, really difficult to get the momentum. And also, I don't know if giving your data away is a problem in the way that would motivate a mass audience. It's, it's over-indexed in the press, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think no, no, I, I, it, it's getting there. If it is going to get there, it'll get there in the next few years, I would think. But I don't know. Some people, data is just not something that a lot of people understand. Yeah, Beatmaster says, a Facebook with Wikipedia pledge. Maybe. maybe. Wikipedia did it. A personal appeal. Yeah. Well, one social network that we love very much is our very own subreddit. And thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit, you can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you want to hang out on Facebook, well, you know what? We're not going to leave you out. Facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show is where to go. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Tynus uh, from, he says, uh, almost Christmas and sunny Cape Town says, one of the potential practical uses of AI tech is actually in games. We were talking about this on a recent show. As somebody who has played games since the dawn of 3D graphics, I can remember games with 100 characters all using the same face. It's time consuming to generate those characters. Today, we have far better tools and huge libraries of stock images to use, but I can see the use of this technology to generate a whole clan of elves with familial similarities or weird wasteland creatures deformed all procedurally. Open world games takes a million men plus to build today, and I can see this technology being used to reduce that over time. Totally. Yeah. Using that 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 artificial face creation suddenly makes games or movies crowd scenes you can have more realistic uh, looking looking crowd scenes with with fake people in the background we also asked folks to send us examples of where a div tag could potentially break a site in edge but not in chrome that wasn't designed to do that way an accidental way that would happen and we got a couple of responses andrew from snowless colorado springs talked about something called feature flags which allow a company to turn on or off features without needing to deploy an entire new version of the site if you created a new section for a website using a feature flag a possible mistake could be to accidentally put a containing div outside of the feature flag if statement. This would potentially be tough to catch, and the release that contained this bug probably would have a decent number of other changes or was one of multiple releases that day, so pinpointing a performance degradation in a lesser-used product was probably low on the priority list and did not merit a no-go even if it was caught. Andrew says, I don't mean to condone Google, but I wanted to represent the potential process by which this could happen. And Liz in our Slack said, I don't know 
know the specifics about the hidden div tag that broke YouTube on Edge, but Edge is very intolerant of unclosed and unbalanced div tags where other browsers seem to compensate for those errors and will render what it can. Edge will just not render the rest of the document, what it sounds like to me could be an honest coding error, and in my opinion, a serious failure of prioritizing other vendor browsers in QA test coverage. Well, thanks to everybody who gives us feedback every week. And also thanks to Justin Robert Young for being on our fine, fine show today. Justin, where can people find you and uh, hang out with you over the holidays? Oh, you know, you can you can uh, hang out. I can be a part of your life all year round, Sarah, if you only go to Twitter.com slash Justin R. Young and follow me there. Also, uh, if you like politics, a lot of politics, things that are happening. Uh, the president just legalized industrial hemp. Uh, uh, find out all about it by getting to my uh, free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Folks, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we're well on our way to getting our one more patron than last month. Thanks to you. So keep signing up, get us over the goal line. And as a thank you, as many thank yous are coming in January, one of them is a beanie, a toque, a, a knit cap with DTNS on it. I know a few of you asked for that. They are now available for pre-order. Uh, they go into production January 2nd. Uh, so production's kind of closed down for the holidays right now. But if you're willing to pre-order, you get a discount. Sale price of $19 until January 2nd at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. As of January 3rd, it'll go up to 22 bucks. But uh, if you want to keep your head warm and show off your DTNS pride, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep the feedback coming. We love hearing from you. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. Put it on your calendar and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Last show, last live show of the year tomorrow with Aaron Carson and Len Peralta will be back. Talk to you then. part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.